Well, I want to welcome everybody. My name is Todd, and I am the East Location Pastor, and I love what I get to do. But I just want to take in a moment here just to see, man, the students and what they're doing and everything that they're doing to lead us in this service today has been remarkable. And so I just am excited to be a part of this as we kind of go through this sermon now about student takeover. And my focus today is on faith. I think it's fitting, because uh, especially as teenagers, uh, we sometimes remember those years. Some of us are living through those years right now. And it's defining moments. Faith is talked about a lot. And so I want to start off with just going, okay, what is it? What is faith? How do we define it? Uh, there was a, a professor. Uh, his name was John Lennox, professor of mathematics at Oxford University. And he made this argument that I think is actually very true, uh, that everyone has faith in something. Everyone has faith in something. And if you look at it, he started to go, we got to be careful about putting faith in only this religion side of things. Because, think about it, if faith is the way he kind of looked it up and studied it, it was under this word, it was a Latin word, it's fides, it stands for faith, it just means trust or reliance. So if that's a simple definition of it, then I would say faith is in everything. Faith in, in the relationships, believing in each other, trusting each other. Uh, faith in even ourselves. But I think you could also go, when we start to talk about it in a spiritual realm, yeah, there's faith in every kind of religion you can think of too. If you think about atheism, it takes faith to believe that there is no supernatural, that there is no God. You have to have that faith to believe that and take that step. Uh, even thinking about scientists, they have faith in the existence of a law-like order in nature. They trust a lot about how nature works and reliant on that. Uh, even in physics, it's crazy, it's dependent on the faith in the mathematical intelligibility of the universe. So if you keep looking at this, faith is in so many things. But then the question becomes, okay, so what does it mean? What does it look like to have faith in God? How do we define that? How do we know if that's healthy or not? So I think the best place to start is in the Bible, uh, gives us an answer to at least begin kind of walking through that. Hebrews 11 says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Think about it, the words that are kind of critical is I, I kind of look at that, the confidence piece, having that confidence in what you believe in, kind of going back to that reliance and trust. But I think We've got to be careful as we talk about this because there's been, if you've grown up in church, and even if you haven't grown up in church, there's just been a lot of teachings on faith. And I actually think there's been a lot of bad teachings on faith. Uh, and to help us kind of dive into it, there was a, an atheist professor, uh, especially during the 20th century, who kind of, I think, sums up sometimes the bad teaching that we hear. Uh, so his name was Richard Robinson. Here's what he said. Christian faith is not merely believing that there is a God is believing that there is a God no matter what the evidence may be. Uh, the way I look at this is this kind of describes like a blind faith. Some of you have probably been hurt by this teaching or you've heard this teaching before. Life circumstances happen and you start to doubt, you start to wonder, how does this play out? I don't understand why God is doing this. And someone just tells you, you gotta have more faith. You just gotta believe. And it's almost this blind approach of just going, oh, you just didn't have enough faith. And so what this professor was getting at was just kind of speaking to it. It's like, it's just this belief and doesn't have any evidence to it or anything. And I think the danger in that faith is it doesn't help us address the doubts that we're going to have. 
It doesn't help us address the fears that we're going to have. And I actually believe with all my heart, God will give you evidence to your faith. There isn't this blind faith that we're trying to go after. It isn't just this like, hey, just believe in God. Just, just, just believe in him. That's all you got to do. And it will solve your problems. Life will get better. I don't think that's a strong faith because that, that treats God like he's some kind of genie. It's not a relationship. It's not trust being built. It's just, well, I hope he fixes my problems. And I think faith is so much bigger than that. And so what I think is helpful uh, is there was a guy who responded to that statement. And his name was Dallas Willard. And he uh, was very well known in the Christian circle. He was a Christian American philosopher. He actually died just a few years ago. Uh, He said this, the Christian faith deals with real life context for real life people and challenges them to be helpful to others who are in doubt and to deal with the doubt honestly because there is an answer. I think this starts to describe faith a lot better where it wrestles with the doubts and it has answers and it honestly addresses the things because I think that kind of faith then starts to kind of go, now we're moving somewhere. We've got a relationship. It's got some depth to it. And so I would describe that as a confident faith. So you've got blind faith, You've got confident faith. And if you want to get a picture of, okay, oh, wait, how does that look like? What do you, how would I know if I have confident or blind faith? Uh, the best example I can give you is you need to go watch kindergarten soccer. I know that sounds really weird, but I have. My son's in kindergarten. Uh, he's playing soccer, just about ready to wrap up his season right now. That is a really good smile. That's not too often we get that. But that was a great picture of him. But if you were to watch his team, uh, it's crazy to watch because you've got some soccer players uh, that are just so timid because they're learning the sport, don't even know if they really like the sport yet. Uh, They're just kind of playing, and they're just like, you go watch them kind of get up to the ball, and they're like, and that's like, yeah, this is exciting. I love this sport. And then you've got the other kids my son is one of these, who's running around like a madman, slide tackling every chance he gets. I mean, I'm telling you, he could have a wide open goal. He has to go, yeah, because he thinks it's just fun. He's like, yeah. And so you just see it. I'll never forget one moment. There's this one kid just walking through the game. He's playing defense somehow because the other kids keep kicking it at him. He doesn't notice it and just, okay, here you go. And Corbin's over there like trying to slide tackle. And we actually had to get on him at some point and be like, buddy, stay on your feet. Like this is getting out of hand. Um, and he's just one that he's, he loves the competition, all of that. We even had to get on him about like, hey, buddy, stop yelling out the score. Someone was going to be like, okay, one nothing. <laughs> it's one nothing. Now it's one one. We're like, okay, calm down. And then he started going, And I'm like, buddy, it's okay. But what I love, and this is the picture of it, there's an intensity and there's a love and a passion he has for it. What if we approach that with our faith? Where it had confidence. We cared about it. We wanted to build this relationship. We wanted to know, do we really believe this and go after it with all of our heart? The blind faith seems to come and it's like, well, I hope it works. It just feels timid feels weak. It feels like this, like, well, I just think God will fix it whenever he does. There's not a relationship component to it. And so that's why when I see these two, I think it's important for us to realize there is a difference of what God wants for us when it comes to faith. 
Because one of these will leave us in a relationship where we're frustrated and we don't understand why God does what he does. There's a whole other one where we may get to experience things that we never thought we could imagine, have a deep relationship with him and be in awe of what's going on. And so the other piece of this you gotta realize is because how do you start to build that confident faith versus the blind faith? You gotta recognize our life experiences shape our faith. Think about it this way. Uh, we know this because I could say uh, ourselves, we are shaped by scoring the winning goal, but we're also shaped by getting cut from the team. Our faith about who we are in those and, and ourselves, it, it's a defining moment. It shapes us. It also can happen when we get invited to the dance and then the breakup happens. Those are both shaping moments. Life experiences that go, okay, what do I believe about me? What do I believe about these relationships? What kind of faith do I have? And it especially plays out with God. When he does the miracles in our lives, and we're like, whoa, that's incredible. But then also those moments when he doesn't answer our prayers. And so both of those have the ability to move us, whether it's good or bad, move us towards a confident faith. But it also has the same ability. Good and bad could also move us to a blind faith. The relationship gets better or worse depending on how we let these experiences shape us. Uh, James talks about this. If we go to the Bible, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Bible speaks to when you have these experiences, let them shape you let them build that perseverance in you, good and bad, so that you start having a faith that you go, yes, I believe in this. There's evidence to it. I love it. And there's confidence behind it. There's passion behind it. And that's what the scripture teaches. That's what God, that's the kind of faith he wants for us, where it's real. And so I think of this, that God will always push us from a blind faith to a confident faith. I think all of us start in this blind faith to where we go, wow, God is real. He exists. But I think God goes, I'm not leaving you there, though. I want you to grow and understand who I am, have a deep relationship with me, and be able to experience who I really am and what that means for you. That becomes this confident faith. And what I love about what God does is he shows it to us. And so I want to go into that story that we heard read that where Jesus is giving the disciples that moment to where he's going, okay, I want to move your faith from here to here. So let's go back to it. It's in Mark 4. So that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crown behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Just a few things so you understand context. Jesus has been preaching all day, preaching from a boat to the shore of just a bunch of people. And he gets done, and he's like, man, okay, I'm exhausted. I would love to just rest a little bit. But he tells his disciples, we're going to go across to the other side. And the other part that I've, I've read this story many times, part I didn't recognize, there was also other boats with him. So it wasn't just this one boat. There was all these other boats that were joining him, other disciples, other people just kind of traveling along and going, okay, we're going across. So then as we kind of keep going, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Now, this is where the story starts to get intense. Because 
I want you to realize these disciples, there's a good solid probably third of them who were fishermen. They would have known the Sea of Galilee. They would have known that this place is known for just storms just popping up all over the place. And like big storms, bad storms. Weather could change in a minute. Sound familiar? I'm just saying. <laughs> so I think we can all understand Like, oh yeah, like we've seen this happen. They're used to this. They understand this. And you've got fishermen who've been through probably some crazy storms and they're starting to get panicked. And if the fishermen are getting panicked, everyone's getting panicked. And so you've got all these boats. I mean, you think about it. There may have been family and friends in these other boats and they're like trying to get the water out. Everything's going crazy. And there's Jesus just, <clears throat> just snoozing. Uh, it's like, group project on steroids moment right here. It's like, is this guy going to cut it? Like, let's go. Is he going to step up? Like, why is he sleeping when we're all about to die? How does this happen? And so at some point, you understand why they should, like, hey, teacher. And it was probably like soft, like, hey, buddy, buddy. Then it's like, all right, come on, Jesus, let's go. Get up. Don't you care if we drown? Like, this is getting crazy. And then we see Jesus' response. He got up. Rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quick or quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Picture this moment. He stands up, puts his arms up and just says three words. Storm stops. All the other boats are probably like, what just happened? Did we miss something? Like, what literally just happened? The only ones who heard probably Jesus say something were the disciples in that boat. But then the question's afterwards. Why are you so afraid? And then that second one, do you still have no faith? What Jesus cared about more in this moment was not the fact that they were scared or fearful. He was more concerned about their faith. I think too often we focus so much on what scares us, what makes us fearful, instead of focusing like, where is our faith? Because Jesus knew it. Like, it was okay for the disciples to be scared. I think fear is going to be part of this journey. In order to get to a confident faith, you've got to create moments where you're scared and overcoming those and learning to see God move in those. And so Jesus is like, hey, disciples, you've got to recognize your faith is here. I want to push it over to here. And so one thing that I want you to see about a confident faith is it's not a fearless faith. It doesn't mean you're just going to be like, okay, I'm always going to have this confidence. I'm always going to be good. No, there's a, in any relationship, there are moments where you have fear about is this going to work out? Is this going to be good? Especially when moments when it doesn't seem to be going well. But hopefully over time, as you build trust in that relationship, those fears start to go down a little bit and the confidence and trust start to go up. That's what Jesus was trying to do in this moment, trying to help them see this. And I think if I was going to put this, I think this happens to all of us. Jesus was giving them a test. And if I was going to describe this test, just go with me for a little bit. It feels like a s'more test. Here's why. Because all of you are like, that doesn't make any sense. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think to make a good s'more, there is some um, 
things that need to be done. First, uh, when you put the s'more in, make sure your goal is to get it golden brown, not burn it. Okay? Or stand, some of you get so scared, you're like, eh, I don't want to, eh, eh. And then you pretty much are eating the marshmallow you pulled out of the packaging. So I don't really understand the whole point of you doing all this if you're not actually going to cook the marshmallow. So I say it because there's this test of like, can you get it to the where it's this golden brown, and then you're able to put it on the chocolate, the chocolate melts, and it becomes this awesome Amazing treat. It's good. The connection I want you to see in this is that marshmallow represents our faith. It gets put in the fire, gets put in the storm, and in that moment, if we allow it to cook, we allow it to become better, we take it out, and when it comes out, the ability that it has to even come together with other relationships, other things, we start to go, man, it's good. But sometimes what happens, and we're all guilty of this, We'll put our faith into the fire, into the storm, and we'll allow it to get burned. And then we're jaded. Then we're mad at God because it didn't go the way we wanted it to. And so then it causes us to be like, well, I'm not trying that again. That hurt. I want no part of that. And then sometimes we become uh, just too scared to even put our faith into anything. We hold back. And so to me, it's learning to kind of keep putting our faith, because God's going to test us in so many different ways, putting our faith constantly into these storms and fires so that it can build confidence. And we come out going, because I believe this, that if you don't go through storms and relationships, then you miss out on being able to see it grow and become powerful. And that's why we need it. It's a refining process that our faith needs. And so to help us, if there are some things that we could go, if this is what it takes to have a confident faith, I think it's, there's three things that are really important. First thing is this. A confident faith remembers Jesus' words. I go back to the disciples. Remember, he said, we're going across the Sea of Galilee. We're going across. We're going to make it. He didn't say, hey, let's try. See what happens. Maybe we'll make it. Some of them would have been like, ah, I think I'm out. Uh, but he said, we're going across. We're going to get to the other side. But storm comes, what happens, and all of us struggle with this, we panic. And we're starting to go, okay, God, where are you in this? You said we were going to do this. What happened? I don't understand. But you got to remember his words. Some of us right now are in panic mode because relationships aren't going, whether it's marriage, family, friends, whatever the case may be. Or you're just in panic mode because you just feel yourself is not at a good place. Or it's job or something else, success, accomplishments, aren't just where you would like him to be. So then I got to go. You've got to hear these words that Jesus said. I just want you to hear them and remember them. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If your life is in panic mode, remember these words. It's a promise that God gives us. We might be in the midst of the storm right now, but the storm does not have to last forever. And maybe out of the storm, we will grow and become healthier. Another one, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Once again, if our life is in a spot where we need the truth, we need to know the way, 
We need life. Jesus says, I'll give that to you. So remember Jesus' words. The second one is this. A confident faith doesn't accuse Jesus of not caring. Now, hear me. It's very tempting to go down this route. When things don't go the way you want, when things start happening that you're like, this was not my plan, the question we start to ask, God, do you care? And if you're willing to go through those storms, you'll find that he does. He always does. But you got to be willing to go through it and let him prove to you that he does. Because even in this moment, the disciples had to walk through. Because they're saying, like, Jesus, do you care that we may drown? Of course he does. I mean, he even talked about this in Matthew. Look what he said. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, lean into me. Know that I care for you. He even makes a promise, I will be with you forever. If you choose to believe that, if you choose to walk that out. We've got to learn over time. A confident faith starts to go, even when it gets tough, it doesn't mean God doesn't care. He's there. He's guiding us through it. We just need to remember that and hold on to that. The last one is this. A confident faith keeps focused on the big picture. Uh, it's funny to say this now, but if all of us were in this moment, we'd probably be thinking the same thing. The disciples are like, come on, Jesus, you've got to wake up. You've got to save us. You've got to be. And they're starting to believe he's the Messiah. Well, if the Messiah were to drown, uh, we wouldn't be meeting. We wouldn't be doing this. Like, it would be a really sad moment. Like, so to keep the big picture, it's like if we really believe Jesus is the Messiah, well, then there's got to be moments where we got to go, hey, this may not be going the way I want it to, but think big picture here. Think about conversations. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about life and death. We're talking about big things, but it's easy to get occupied with the right here, right now, the earthly things. And so we got to keep that big picture, and God's going to keep working on us. Jesus is going to keep working. Like, have that confident faith. Remember the more important things. Remember the big picture. Uh, there's a verse that I think even helps. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There are things that we will not understand in this world. Many of us, if not all of us, we don't understand the spiritual world as much as we'd like to. We don't understand heaven and hell as much as we would like to. And so there are parts that are unseen that we've got to hold on to and go, we are confident that that is real, and that exists, and Jesus, what he is doing, is affecting those things. And we may not see the full picture when we're in the storm going, I don't understand how this is happening. I don't understand what I'm supposed to even navigate all this. But sometimes when you get out of it, you start to see something that you never saw before. And it's the bigger picture. What God was taking you through, your life needed it. If you pay attention even read farther along in this story, what's crazy is on the other side of this sea was a demon-possessed man. That's what they were going to face next. So Jesus was trying to prepare. You're about ready to walk into a spiritual battle. I need you to have your faith ready. So I just showed you that I'm bigger than just doing some minor miracles. I'm the one that can <laughs> change all of nature. I can tell it to stop whenever I want it to. 
He was getting them ready for what was about to come. And even beyond that, because his death was coming and raising from the grave was coming. He was preparing their faith, and he does the same thing with you so that you can have a confident faith when that moment, when you need it, and seeing God do incredible things, but also going, I'm a part of this. So I look at it this way. Jesus is constantly calling us to live in such a way that requires confident faith. He will not let us stay here. This blind faith, he goes, no, we've got to address it. We've got to move it to where you become stronger, you become passionate, you start loving more the relationship that you have with God. It's a real belief. It's real experiences that you can pull from and go, God showed up there, God showed up there, and he's been there the whole time. And I love it. And I think all of us know when we start to see that in somebody. It starts to change us. It starts to, we see it and it starts to change us, but it also starts to change the people around us. Like, what's different about you? Because I love the end of the story, how the disciples respond. Look at this. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What I think sometimes can give even fuel to this conversation, how do we give fuel to having that confident faith? I think Jesus will step up and just put us in awe of who he is. So I kind of put it this way. Our awe of God is a fuel for a confident faith. The disciples weren't handling that moment well. But what does God do? He goes, I'm going to reveal to you who I am. And that will begin to change the circumstances. That will begin to change your mindset on faith. But what I love even about this line is that you can interchange it because there are moments where we need God's faith because we're not handling things well. And God intervenes and we're like, whoa, I needed that. But there's also moments where we need to take those next steps of having that confident faith to where then we are in all. We're moving along and we go, wow, look what God has been doing through me as I've been faithful in these moments. Because don't forget, the disciples did listen. Jesus said, we're going across to the sea. And they started doing that. It led them into a storm that they didn't understand. So they were listening. But in that moment where the storm came, they got a little kind of off. And then God's awe came in. Recognize our ability to take the steps and God's awe is the fuel we need. So there's a part that we play. God will do his. We've got to do ours of taking the steps. There was a story um, that I heard recently that I want to share with you, and it's powerful because uh, her name's Catherine, and she got baptized this past week. And her story, I think, really starts to help us understand this journey of faith. So I wanted to share it with you. And so here it is. And I just had to write it out, and so I'll just simply read this to you. I don't remember a time when God and Jesus were not in my life. However, I remember the day my love for God and his son changed to hate. It was 20 years ago in 2001. I achieved a slot with the Colorado National Guard as a crew chief for the F-16s. Following in my family's footsteps, I'd planned to go into the military to get a great education, serve my country, and see the world. I was finally at MEPS to take the last step before departing for boot camp. The day of the physical, which is an all-day test where they make sure that you're healthy, the results came in and shattered my world, destroyed my faith in everything, especially God. The military told me I wouldn't be moving on and sent me to see a physician. After a battery of tests, 
I was admitted to the ICU and diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. My life was over, or at least the life I wanted was over with the diagnosis, and I hated God. For the next 18 years, I endured the socially responsible activities of going to Christmas, Easter, all those kind of things, and even sometimes even praying. But I couldn't understand why God would do this to me. My faith was shaken to its core, and I couldn't find my way back because of the pain. Not only did I lose my future, I also lost my first true love that year. I went through life watching others achieve their goals and live their best life as a non-diabetic. It seemed like they had no cares in the world, which created more hate for God inside my being. Why would he do this to me? I was a good girl. I lived by the commands. All I could think is, why did God hate me? I felt stuck in a downward circle for 18 years, and it didn't add to my happiness, nor did it get me any further in relationships with friends or family. Even people around, I felt alone as though I couldn't be present. It was the loneliest I've ever felt in my life. The catalyst occurred when I read an article written by a lady who was in the same situation as me. Unmarried, getting older, she even spoke about feelings of loneliness even when she was around others. But unlike me, she had a relationship with God. Wishing, too, I could have that relationship with God, but I had this feeling that how could that happen? I hated him. But my first step was to accept the life he had chose for me. I have a great life. I have family who love me, a fantastic job, and animals that behave for the most part. Um, no, I didn't get to have my own family raised, but I have fantastic nieces that I get to watch and grow. God really did give me a good life, but could I be saved, was what I was wondering. Could I feel loved again? My answer came during the Easter service in 2019 at Fountain Springs. It was the first service that changed my life. I was stuck in my own jail, and no matter what I thought or how I felt, I was assured that God still loved me and I will be saved. It didn't matter what I did or how much I hated him. So here I am, preparing to be baptized on Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. I cannot be happier or healthier in this life. I was asked to write my journey and what it was like before Jesus was in my life. I don't know of a time when Jesus or God wasn't part of my life. I'd always loved Jesus and God, but there is no way I could have loved him for what I went through. This journey has been long, but I'm here, and I feel like I'm at home and at peace again, reaffirming my life and my love to Jesus and to God, no longer feeling as though I walk this world alone, as I know he is right beside me. I got to be a part of that. I got to baptize her. It was an incredible moment. And as she was telling me, I just, it spoke to me and going, man, that's what faith is. It's a journey. It's getting to that moment of going, man, I was struggling through this, and it was a long time, but coming out of this and going, now she walks with this confident faith, being able to share her story. That's what I want for all of us, to where faith has real-life examples, has real-life troubles. But we look at it and say, God is good. He's been carrying me the whole time, and I've learned so much. So here's the question I want to end with. Are you choosing blind faith or confident faith? How would your life be described? What would God say about your faith? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for who you are. I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would guide us. And God, I pray that you would help us wrestle with this question. Because I believe it's easy to get stuck in that blind faith mode thinking, yeah, I believe in God, but really there's no relationship. There's no growth. It's just this simple belief that hoping God will fix things. 
And God, we know that's not what you want. You want real faith. You want one that starts to build confidence and passion. And, and God, may we think about just like my son who's out there on the soccer field, but God, may that start to represent what we look like in the spiritual world and what we even do here on earth. May we walk with this passion, walk with this confidence because you are working in us and through us and we're taking the necessary steps to do that. So God, lead us. Show us how to be these kinds of people and let our faith not only impact us, but the people around us. And may it bring glory to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.